is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow. We'll be joined by New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang, former New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang. Uh, and we'll be taking your calls then, too. Uh, last time we had him on, we talked about the MBTA vote. And it sounds like a lot of you heard us because I think the yes vote was 80-20. Uh, so that's great. Happy to happy to hear that. So 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Been talking about a lot of the national stuff. I had Congressman Jake Auchincloss on. Uh, he talked about, you know, his reaction to the midterms. We talked to Armin Thomas at Split Ticket, who does elections mapping. You know, he's talking about which races are going to decide who controls what chamber. And, you know, basically his reaction to Republicans underperforming so um, so dramatically in uh, across the country. And uh, I wanted to shift to, a, like, a more local focus uh, in this hour and sort of just speculate on on the Ward 3 city council race that's going to be happening. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, this, we've, the Bristol County Sheriff's race is over. You know, the, the, the governor's election, the, I, all the state elections, that's all over. The dust is more or less settled on that. So, but I wanted to compliment Barry on a, on a great interview with the uh, with the sheriff today, I thought it was really good, um, and so that's all over. What we're um, what we're going to be focusing on, among a, a lot of things, like I'm looking forward to having more, like having people in, doing more policy ish uh, types of discussions, right? Pivoting away from the elections and doing some more like policy esque type of discussions. But we can't fully pivot away from the elections because we have the Ward 3 City Council race on tap. So uh, you, I know a lot of you have heard. Uh, I know everybody's heard because it's, it's all I heard about. But here on WBSN on South Coast tonight, Hugh Dunn, the Ward 3 City Councilor, announced his resignation. He did that because... He's got a job at uh, a major personal injury law firm in Boston. The commute he's making is what he described as untenable. Um, it's not good for him. It's not good for the constituents for him to be trying to split time like that. Uh, and it's not good for his dog. So he's relocating. He's got an apartment or he's got a house. Or I don't know. He's got a place in Boston that he's relocating to. And so obviously he won't be able to carry out his duties as city councilor anymore. I think he was a great city councilor. I think he did a lot um, of good work. You know, a lot of people talk about the incident, the you know, the car crash and all of that. But 
he did a lot of good work for unions. He spearheaded the Mike Cassidy home rule petition that we're hoping uh, passes this session or, or the next. But he he did uh, a lot. Um, he spearheaded the uh, fight against um, ending collective, uh, you know, uh, not uh, against the city's effort to try to take away collect, uh, collective bargaining for public unions. Um, the public safety motions he filed uh, about a year and a half or so ago. That we're really moving a conversation forward about transparency and the uh, efficacy of of, of uh, shot spotter and all of that. There's the advanced manufacturing campus that happened. I think he did a great job. I'm not just saying that because it's my friend, but there is now an open seat, and it's actually how he <clears throat> became uh, a uh, city councilor. <clears throat> Maybe people don't remember. It was almost six years ago now, but Henry Biscay, uh, who was the War Three counselor, very popular. He, same thing, had a career change or advancement, or uh, and because of that, he couldn't serve as War Three counselor anymore. So he had resigned. That left the seat open, and Hugh uh, was recently moved to the ward uh, and ran for the seat. And he won, won easily. Uh, it was a, and it was a, it was a tough field. You you had, you know, I remember you had Hugh, you had Jill Usach, who's a former school committee member and a Republican state committee woman. She got the endorsement of Charlie Baker. I remember Mark Sajak, who was a former city councilor. Kathy Danner was a former city councilor. Uh, you had Guy Larocque, who was a trial attorney. Uh, Beth Photo, who was fairly new, but uh, I think you know was able to uh, run a, a pretty decent. Uh, decent campaign in the in the preliminary. Now Hugh blew them all out by fifty three percent in the general, and then I think seventy ish percent in the primary. Uh, I mean fifty three percent in the preliminary, and I think seventy seventy ish percent of the vote in the general, sixty nine percent of the vote in the general. So it wasn't close. And then Guy Larocque tried to run against Hugh uh, two years later. And he got blown out too. He, he, I think it was he's seventy. I think Hugh got seventy three percent of the vote at that time. Hugh percentage wise was the highest percentage wise vote getter in the city that year. And then of course he ran unopposed, um, despite the the controversies that people some people were. Um, I guess weren't all that controversial because he ended up running unopposed. So, um, so. You know, out of that field, I don't know who's, you know, got the... It's been six years. That's a long time. People's lives change a lot in six years. Six years, you guys didn't know who I was, right? I didn't start working here until four years ago. Six years, I wasn't here on WBSM. Six years ago, I had just met Chris McCarthy, right? So, I wasn't here. Six, you know, as far as those other people in the race that did run last time... I can't speak to what a lot of them have going on, right? I, I haven't had any contact with any of them uh, in the last six years. I haven't heard much uh, from a lot of them. I know Beth Photo, a year or two after the the election, was uh, Standard Times Person of the Year, right? Uh, uh, right, because she helped organize the Women's March and all of that. Um, but I haven't heard much from her sen- uh, since. I don't know what other... You know, and the other the other members, I I didn't really know very well. Uh, you know, I, I knew Gila Rock because we worked in the courthouse together. I haven't heard much about who's interested in that race. 
Um, I, I think you might end up seeing another Hugh Dunn type situ- situation where you might have someone that's coming from the ward that maybe has a pretty good resume, uh, like has a pretty good resume, has experience in like politics or lawmaking or, um, you know, even legal experience, um, might have someone who, who, uh, I think so, like a that lends itself well to the city council resume. Now, I've heard Cameron Costa is going to try to move to the ward. Uh, someone's that's been whispered. I don't know. I think it's fine to try to move. Honestly, I think that's fine. I don't think there's a problem with that. If you think that's a problem, let me know. My historically, it seems like no one's ever cared about quote unquote carpet baggers. Like you can basically people just want someone that they think is going to do a good job. Like you think of, you know, Hillary Clinton, right? She was the senator in, uh, she was a senator in New York. She, she had no like roots or really base of power in New York. She was the first lady of Arkansas, then the first lady of the United States, but people knew who she was. And so she became the senator from New York. Robert Kennedy, same thing. He's from Massachusetts, right? But he became a senator from New York because there was an opportunity there. Mitt Romney, yeah, he lived in Utah for a while. But then uh, he was in Massachusetts for 30 or so years. But there was an open seat in Utah. He went back to Utah. He became a senator there. So, you know, and Hugh had had just moved to the ward, I think, 11 days before Henry resigned. He had no idea Henry was going to resign. Um, but there was a lot of talk about, oh, is he does he secretly live in Attleboro and he's just, you know, he's just he's just going to work in the city. Like, does he secretly live in Attleboro and he's going to move to the city or did he just move here just because there was a seat? And none of that really. And, and like the opposition was everybody was like, I I live here and I've always lived here. Right. And that none of that actually. None of that actually really mattered. I think people just want someone that's going to work hard and do a good job. Um, Cameron Costa obviously strikes me as someone who's interesting because he ran a, he, he just ran a, a state rep race. Uh, didn't do particularly well. Chris Markey won that pre, uh, against Chris Markey. Chris Markey won that pretty easily, but uh, he, I mean, you know, He's got some name. He's got some name ID for that. I don't know if the name IDs uh, in the board necessarily, but you know he's run a campaign before, so maybe that could work. Uh, I don't know. Um, it depends on who's jumping in. We're not hearing a lot of. We're not. I'm not hearing a lot from people. Like if it were other wards in the city, I think there would be more. I think there would be more. Um, I mean, I think that if there were, if these were any of the other wards in the city, I think I could probably name some people that if this was an open seat that might want to run for it. But I don't know. It seems like, you know, because when he won that election, he won it so pretty easily. He's had one. He had one challenger for reelection since and he beat that challenger 70. I think it was like he won 73 percent of the vote. So it didn't seem like there was an appetite uh, to run against him now, it's an open seat, so there's gonna. Be, I think that I think it's gonna end up being a a pretty cl- crowded field. Um, it was last time. Uh, you know, you might see a lot of those people that ran six years ago come out because uh, a couple of them were former city councilors. 
right? So uh, in Ward 3 is like Cogsall Street, uh, up through Mount Pleasant Street, and um, Hathaway Road. Uh, that's basically the rough outline of Ward 3. Parts, Some parts of Acushnet Ave. <clears throat> some parts of the end of uh, the end of um, of County Street, but that's basically the rough line, uh, the rough outline of Ward Three. It's basically go up Cogsell to Mount Pleasant Street, then up to County Street, and that's uh, that's basically the makeup of the ward over whereby Wonder Bowl is and all of that, all the way up to the Dartmouth line um, down the down the road. Uh, so if there's someone that lives in that area, I don't know. I guess. Maybe you can try to mount a, a campaign. It doesn't seem like, again, we haven't heard anything. He was going to resign December 1st. I remember last time, I think I think Henry resigned in like mid-January to early February. And then there was a preliminary maybe in March and a general in April. Or was it? There was he was he resigned. There was a preliminary in January at the end of February, and then there was a general election in April. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure the election ended up. I re, I remember he was knocking doors in like the coldest day of the year, and I think that was in February. Um, but I think that it'll be about the springtime for this one. It's a little bit earlier because he was resigning December first. So it might be sometime in might be sometime in like March where the general election happens. And then that what's going to happen is that person uh, will have to turn around and run for reelection in the uh, in the in the in the fall. The thing is, is, though, uh, if you win that, re, you know, if you win, it depends on how competitive it is. Right. But if you win, pre, like if you have a guy like let's say it's another Hugh Dunn, like I said, someone who you know, has a good resume, has run a professional campaign before, knows how to run a professional campaign and, you know, uh, can, can get out there and knock doors, meet people, you know, raise the money to send direct mail, uh, who, you know, has some, maybe a little bit of like, uh, legislative types of experience. If you get someone like that, you know, they might win like when, like you did might win pretty easily in which case, you know, that's probably what the, that's probably going to be the election. They're probably not going to have a challenger in November. If they, if they win handedly, that's what happened in 2017 when the, after the special election, he didn't have, he ran unopposed in, in November. So that election for all intents and purposes is going to be the, the city council election it's good you know it's going to be important if you if you're hearing anything i'd love to hear it send me a give me a call send me an app chat 508-996-0500 it's a really important election for a lot of reasons and actually i'm going to take a break and then we can talk about that I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500, is get the program. We're talking about the Ward 3 uh, special election. By the way, you know, now that the elections are over, um, I do want to talk about some more stuff. You know, I was just talking to uh, Leon Corey the other day, the Fairhaven Selectman. I want to get him in here to talk about some Fairhaven stuff, right? Um, want to talk about some Dartmouth stuff. We're going to pivot more to the to the more like we've been talking about local elections. Obviously, we've had a, a couple debates and we've had all the candidates in that were running for rep. Uh, just every candidate that was running for rep in the South Coast we had on the show. 
But now that that's over, we want to get more into the local policy, uh, local issues, more hyper local. Um, I th- I think now uh, that the that the uh, election's over, all that election coverage was great, and it was an excellent way to start the show. And there'll still be some elections talk, but. Uh, and we'll still have people that aren't necessarily right from New Bedford. You know, I've, I've had a lot of legislatures from Beacon Hill, from the Cape and from the Boston area, too, because I think all of them have really interesting stuff to say. We'll still talk about some statewide stuff. But, you know, I want to talk about Fairhaven. I want to talk about New Bedford, Dartmouth, et cetera, and uh, the Tritown. We'll, and we'll continue to talk about that because I think there's really important local issues. And But one of them is is this city council election in Ward 3. You know, I, I talked about who... I think it's difficult to gauge who would be a contender, you know, because last time the field of people that ran in a competitive in the most competitive election all did very poorly. Frankly, they didn't do all that well. Um, it have, maybe it was because Hugh Dunn sucked the um, wind out of the room by by run, you know winning fifty three percent of the vote and seventy three percent of the vote, or whatever. Or maybe it's um. Yeah, I mean, I, that could be it, and he's not there, so, but it's difficult to say, oh, this person's, you know, a real contender for the seat, um, because last time there was no, there was hardly, it was hardly a, it was hardly a competition. That's not to say, you know, the guy, the other people would be bad counselors or whatever, but uh, it's to say that there was a lot of room for someone that's, you know, not necessarily a staple in the ward to come through. Uh, I don't know if anybody's heard from uh, board three counselor Henry Busquet. I haven't reached out to him uh, to ask him if he's interested in running for his old job. There's nothing to indicate that he would be interested in running for his old job. He currently sits on the board of elections uh, in the city. Uh, he'd have to relinquish that to to run. But I I think you know if he wanted to run, he would he would definitely be doing that. So five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how uh, you can get on the program. But the election's important. Uh, it's important for a few reasons. It's why you need somebody, you know, it's why you need somebody that's going to be very competent and going to, you know, basically know the policy and going to know, know how to draft the legis- legislation because there's a lot going on. We don't know. We don't know as of now whether or not Mayor Mitchell's going to go to, it's been pure speculation at this point. It's rumors that, you know, we you hear here and you hear there. Uh, it's speculation. You know, we're talking about what if Mitchell does uh, ascend to a cabinet position in the Healy administration, right? Or what if he gets a job in the Healy administration uh, that leaves an open mayoral seat? Well, whoever, let's say it does, right? Let's say it happens. He would be gone probably sometime in the early winter right right around the time that this election's happening then there's going to be you know first there'll be a special election but then there's going to be an appointment of an acting mayor during that time and i i think the charter says it's not necessarily a city council it's not necessarily a city council president it's someone who the council votes for but let's just say it's a city council president um let's say they just default to the city council president well, that person is going to have to vote for the city, is going to be voting for the next city council president and ultimately be voting for the acting mayor. And whoever's the acting mayor at the time will 
Alton, uh, uh, whoever's the acting mayor at the time, will have a leg up in running. Will have a leg up in running there, um, in running for mayor because they'll already have that experience of being the acting mayor, right? And they might try to use that title, right? They might put it like, I mean, it didn't work for Kim Janey up in Boston. You know, she was the acting mayor when Marty Walsh had uh, ascended to the Biden administration, became secretary of labor. The city council president at the time, Kim Janey, she, you know, was the acting mayor. And then she ran on, you know, her, her, uh, she obviously ran. Why wouldn't she run? She basically already had the job at the time. She ran and it was like, uh, it, you know, I think her her campaign stuff said uh, Mayor Janey on it and all that. Dropped the acting uh, the acting title, just said Mayor Janey or Mayor Kim Janey for you know for for Boston or whatever. Um, but whoever would 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 have the experience of already being the mayor, maybe already start to try to do something. I think if you're in an acting role, your powers aren't as like uh, extensive or aren't as absolute as if you were a fully elected mayor. But still, I mean, whoever comes out of that election in Ward 3 is going to be a vote for who could potentially be the next mayor. Uh, there's going to be, if if that happens, there's going to be um, a city council vote on that. And, you know, I'm not sure. Like, you know, like I said, it's purely speculative if if Mayor Mitchell's going to go to the Healy administration, have a cabinet position there. We don't know if he's going to, to go. You know, we don't know what her cabinet looks like. I tried to ask her. Obviously, she's not going to, like, tell me, like, oh, yeah, here's my cabinet. Right. I tried to ask her when she was in Taunton, like, hey, who's who's in your cabinet? Right. Who's who are you looking at? And she didn't she didn't really. um she didn't get, you know, she gave me the, the, oh, you know, we're looking for a team of, you know, people who know what they're doing that are team players and that are blah, 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 you know, someone that can blah, blah, you know, just the, the, the canned answer that I, I, I expect. I mean, if, if I were her, I wouldn't tell anybody, I wouldn't tell everybody who my, uh, I wouldn't tell everybody or anybody, uh, ahead of the election who, you know, my, um, who my cabinet would be either, but if he does, it's going to it's going to shift the balance of power on on the uh, council. It's also, I think, the thing is, is I think, you know, with with Dunn leaving, it's going to have you, there's going to be you're going to lose a reliably union friendly vote or, or and a reliably union you uh, union friendly. Uh, vote on the council and one that's I think been effective in swaying the conversation right so that's going to that might change how a lot of things are done I think it's you know I remember in 2017 when they were trying that whole section 23 thing to to make um section 23 thing to make uh Basically, Section Twenty One to Twenty Three is a is a, a chapter in Mass General Law that, uh, if the City Council were to vote for it, uh, would send uh, union negotiations to arbitration, right? So to decide how it, they would basically rule on how a union would union's contract would look, and that has seemed to be more overwhelmingly in support of the city than of the unions. So it would effectively be divesting the the collective bargaining power from the unions. And I remember Dunn stood up there with his, you know, he said, look at all the cities where 
the they uh, implemented Section 21 to 23, and he had a piece of paper, and it was like the the tax the the percentage of tax increase, and he showed it, and there was like a uh, you know one of those line graphs that went up, and it said Fall River. You know, whatever, 2%, you know, what uh, taxes went up 2%. Oh, no savings here, no savings here. So I think that's, there's like a, I think a balance of power that's going to be tipped, uh, especially with unions. And I'm not saying like the rest of the city council isn't friendly to unions. Some are more friendly than others, obviously. Um, but, uh, but I think he's been probably the most solidly union friendly counselor. So. I mean, you might look for some, you might see someone who gets the support of uh, local unions like the police union and the fire union, maybe the labor council. And you might see them go, you know, you might see them go out for that candidate because they know that they need that they're, you know, trying to replace, I think, a pretty, um, I think a pretty, I don't want a pretty effective advocate for them on the council. So that might be something that people are looking at too, saying, well, who's going to be, you know, that might be something unions are looking at, like, hey, we need a, you know, after we lose you, we need, you know, we need to fill that void with somebody who's going to really represent us, who's going to show out for us like you, like you done has. And, you know, like I said, it might be someone with the backing of public safety unions, like the fire union, like the police union, et cetera. And if that someone like that, that they might be willing to donate money to the campaign, go door to door. Right. Um, you know, uh, I think that, that, that does go a long way having union support in a local election. If the unions show out for you, if they go door to door for you, if they do a union walk, if they donate money, right. Or if they have their members, you know, if their members come and they donate money, so you can raise money, so you can buy signs, so you can put down signs, so you can send direct mails, right? So you can do some digital advertising. Uh, you can do some digital advertising if need be. So you can buy some radio ads here on WBSM. I remember when I ran a city council, the city council campaign for, for uh, in Ward 3, we bought a bunch of ads here in WBS and we recorded a couple. One of them, one of them, uh, one of them was, uh, it was just, uh, Hugh, um, saying like, hi, I'm Hugh. I'm from New Bedford. I, uh, you know, I love New Bedford. I love helping people and had like all of this accomplishments basically. Like I did this, I did that. You know, when I worked for Keating, I did this, I did this, I did this. The other one we had, uh, recorded was, um, we had both uh, Henry Bousquet and uh, the former Ward 3 Councilor Henry Bousquet and the former Ward 3 Councilor George Smith. They both came in and recorded um, recorded spots uh, supporting Hugh. Like it was like, oh, hey, I'm Henry. I was the former Ward 3 Councilor. I'm, you know, I'm supporting Hugh because of this. And he goes, hey, I'm George. I'm supporting Hugh because of this. And then Hugh came and says, oh, and I'm Hugh. And it was a good ad. It was a good ad, and we ran a bunch of them. We ran as many as we ran here at WBSM. We ran as many as we could possibly afford with our campaign because uh, it's you know in New Bedford, um, this is where you know most all of the voters, definitely people who are going to vote in a special election in Ward Three. That's where they're going to hear. That's where that's what that's where they're tuning into. So. It's something to keep in mind. I think uh, we we did we bought a ton of ads here, um, as many as we possibly could, uh, so that we could so that we could you know so you because it's repeated exposure right. That's how you get 
uh, political ads out. That's how you get the message out. Because if you just do it once, it doesn't work. You have to do it over and over and over again. So if you keep hearing these ads and you're like, oh, my God, I can't, you know, you might be particularly more attentive to one ad than the other. It's the repeated exposure. You've got to drill it into your brain. That's why you might have gotten, you know, you've gotten so many mailers during this, um, you know, so many mailers during this uh during this election season, you got mailer after mailer, you know, a bunch of mailers for Paul Harrow, right? Day after day after day after day. Um, and it's because a lot, most people have elections sort of in the back of their mind. And so the repeated exposure um, allows people to better remember the message that you're trying to send. That costs a lot of money, right? Direct mail. It's like a buck, of, you know, it's like a bucket door, which if you're sending out to thousands of people, really adds uh really adds up but if you start seeing candidates that are sending out direct mail right that are going door to door that are dropping literature at your door that are running radio ads those are the candidates that are running serious campaigns the ones that aren't doing those things that might be saying well i'm doing it differently i'm bucking the trend because i believe in this it's a non-serious campaign i think a lot of people say oh i'm doing things differently my campaigns run different like no no it's not different it's just the people who have, it's been done before, you just don't hear about it because the people who have done it lost. You know, there's always a formula on how to run these, uh, run these local campaigns and run them well. So if you start seeing people, you know, that are putting signs, hitting doors, running ads here at WBSM and dropping lit and all of that, I think that's a barometer of who's running a, you know, who is, who has, you know, some political experience and who's running a serious campaign and who is seriously and effectively uh, seriously and effectively advocating for your vote. People that do those things. So, you know, I don't know. We, we felt like we were the only ones when we ran that uh, election six years ago, we were the only ones that were really doing that. Well, we were, I mean, we were very, you know, Effective. We had some effective fundraising. Um, obviously, we were, you know, we, we we fundraised pretty well. We, you know, we did all those things. We had we had volunteers going out canvassing, uh, dropping lit, if not knocking on the door, just dropping lit at people's doors. And if you do that, then I think that's I think that's you know, like I said, the barometer of a serious campaign. And there's there's going to be somebody's some people are going to jump in and say, I don't do that because it's different. You know, it's not. You know, I'm I'm running a people powered campaign, something like that. Whatever. You know, and those people, they're not going to they're not going to win. They're never going to win unless they decide that they're going to run a campaign the way campaigns are run. So that's what to look out for, I think, when you're talking about like the um, when you're when when we're thinking about who's going to run in this uh, special election, the city council. It's you know I'm not going to lie, it's kind of exciting. I, I hate to he I hate to see Hugh go from the from the council, obviously, uh, but I, I I think this is going to be um, pretty exciting. We're going to definitely have a debate here, right? We'll have another debate here. Uh, I think actually when we ran that council uh, that race six years ago. There was there was a couple debates. There was one with all the preliminary candidates. There were actually there was a couple with all the preliminary candidates. One of them was at New Bedford High. Uh, the other one was uh, 
I forget the name of the school. It was off of Mount Pleasant Street, but that's where it was in the ward. And then there was uh, one here at WBSM uh, that was hosted during this time slot, actually, by Taylor Cormier, I remember, because this time slot did not exist yet for local programming. But now it does. So I think we're going to have a lot more flexibility in scheduling it. And we'll definitely have all the candidates on, too. Um, so 508 996 I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. 1420 WBSM can now be heard on 99.5 FM. Start. To some people, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much. But that's not necessarily true. By six months, they're combining vowels and consonants. By nine months, they're trying out different kinds of sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on some meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Early screening and intervention can make a lifetime of difference and unlock a world of possibilities. Take the first step at AutismSpeaks.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. Welcome back. Just closing out the final few minutes. The other thing we did a lot was phone banking, actually. Uh, phone banking is another, I think, uh, good method. Um, it's it's not bad. Uh, I've done it a few times. We were doing it during 2014 when the Democrats were getting walloped. And uh, no one wanted to get out there and vote. And then uh, that's what happened. So... 508-996-0500. We still have no idea who the field is. I'm hearing whispers here and there of people that might be interested in run, people that have run for city council before and not been successful, you know, in other races. People who might have run at large, um, you know, people who are, haven't run before but are very, you know, politically involved. I think Lisa Lemieux comes to, uh, comes to mind as someone. Um, I did ask her, and she said she's, you know, going to do her due diligence. Uh, she's got a big job, though, at the Labor Council, so... I don't know if she's going to, uh, I'm not sure if she's going to do it, but she would come out, I think, as an immediate contender uh, for uh, if she were to, uh, if she were to decide to run. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be someone that you might not be as familiar with, uh, uh, you know, because if, you know, if Lisa doesn't run, I'm not sure. So 508 996 0500 uh, is how you can get on and take a break. 14. Um, so thanks for joining me this evening. Uh, I we Thanks for Congressman Jake Auchincloss and uh, Armin Thomas, the elections mapper. You can check out that um, on our podcast. Tomorrow, Chris will be back and we'll have Mayor Scott Lang, uh, former, mayor, former Mayor Scott Lang in New Bedford. He'll be on. Uh, we're going to react to some of the midterms. Um, uh, elections talk about some of the local stuff going on. Uh, always great when, um, always great when uh, Mayor Lang uh, joins the show. We really appreciate it. He's he's funny and he tells a good story. So, um, other than that, see you. Uh, I guess I'll see you tomorrow on Friday.
Yeah. Friday shows are usually pretty fun. I always enjoy them. And I think our listeners enjoy them too. It's a little bit lighter, I think. I mean, I think it's, I think we keep it pretty light here, but uh, I think our Friday shows are a little bit lighter. We try to get a good guest. Uh, I mean, obviously last week we broke some major news. Um, and you can still hear Hugh's exclusive comments on his resignation are still only on South Coast tonight. So you can go check out that column I wrote. Check out the column I wrote today on my interview with Sheriff-elect Paul Haro, uh talking about his transition. I thought it was a good interview, um, and you can listen to it, too. I thought it was a good interview. Uh, we, you know, talked about how he's going to transition um, from, you know, work with Haunch into transition and all of that. So, yeah. Uh, in the column, you know, sort of gives the uh, cliff noted uh, version of that uh, as well, if that's what you're interested in. So um, that's pretty much it uh, for tonight. Uh, have fun. I will see you tomorrow with Chris McCarthy and former mayor Scott Lang.